if I think about men as a collective, there, there's a lot of energy there. There's this like this thriving energy that men hold. And there's not many places in life that it's appropriate for it to open up all the way. It's not safe. It's not helpful. It's, it's, it's more of a liability than anything. So on an energetic standpoint, I think men need that opportunity to just let go, like to really let go. And that's a safe way to do it. A real well done rite of passage or men's experience or, or men's work, the natural result of it is an open heart and care and you know hands basically ready to go do work for the collective, for all. Welcome to Crazy Wisdom. I'm your host, Luke Antrop. Crazy Wisdom is our show about the wild, the unexpected and interesting places we find ourselves in during our quest to live a life of deeper meaning and deeper truth. My hope is with each conversation and each story, you discover a new part of yourself on your journey towards making the most out of this one wild and precious life. This is a Soulfire production. Well, I'm thrilled to welcome Dan Doty to this week's episode of Crazy Wisdom. Dan is a coach and a consultant. He works with leaders. He's a men's coach. He is the founder of Fatherhood Unlocked, which is a fantastic podcast. Recommend everybody go subscribe to that podcast on fatherhood. And he's a father, he's a husband, and the former founder of Everyman. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, good to be here. I'm thrilled to have you on today, Dan, because you know, uh, you and I have a similar mission, right? Like we're 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 up to some very similar things. And I always find these conversations really interesting. You are working as I am with with leaders of high growth companies, a leadership coach, but you're also providing experiences of, of rites of passage to boys, to men. And this has been an area that of course, has been super impactful in my own personal journey, but also a lot of what I'm up to these days. So I'd love to, you know, maybe just as, as a way to start this conversation, love to hear just a little bit more about your work and specifically, you know, hearing about rites of passage from you. How's that sound? Yeah. And I'll give a, just a short little bio that'll explain it a little bit. So, you know, my first real professional direction was as a wilderness therapy guide. And so I spent about five years running wilderness trips for for younger all younger men it was adolescent young adult men and you know what that industry does and what those experiences are is it does provide a version of a rite of passage for i would say for the young people involved at least the intention is there for that but i would also say that it provides elements of rites of passage for even ones like myself who was a professional there delivering some of that work and that really set a, a very clear tone for me in my career was that I fell in love with the, the work of supporting young men. I felt I became obsessed with ma- the ideas of masculinity and, and what it would take for men and boys to become healthy parts of, of the community, of the society. And, and I got to spend immense amounts of unrestricted time in the wild, right? Sleeping under the, the stars and, and, uh, and so you put all that together and and those are some of the sort of requirements for a good rite of passage. And, you know, I somehow, I don't know, fell into a life by doing that work, that wilderness work at that young age. I just sort of fell into this really lovely stream of 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 freedom and liminal space. And just sort of I got to take these this long, massive adventure that I still haven't really I'd say I haven't woken up from yet. But how that how's that fit into my work today? So yes, I do work with leaders 
I work with uh, organizations uh, and my heart is, is, is deeply in that, but a big chunk of my heart is still in that same project that of that first career, that first chunk when I worked with these young men and these men. And, and uh, what I'm really, I work kind of right at the, the junction of masculinity, whatever that might mean to you of the wilderness and nature and, um, and also just the, uh, I guess the, the human, the, the soft animal that we are living, breathing human experiential animal that we are. And so I do that with fathers. I do that with, you know, fathers and sons. And I also do it in the, in the context of, you know, business and commerce. Dan, that sounds like a very fun job that you have. <laughs> so tell me a bit specifically, I'd love to just hear a bit about a couple of your programs. You work like I do, you work with fathers and sons. And what does a rite of passage with fathers and sons look like? Yeah, so one of my programs is called the Unbreakable Bond. And it is a it's a seven or eight day backpacking expedition. This year we're running it in Yellowstone National Park. So it's a full-on, you know, full-fledged uh, backcountry expedition with, you know, a handful of dads and their and their and their sons, ages fourteen and up. Basically, fourteen to nineteen is the age range there. And what this is, you know, I think maybe it'd be helpful to talk about more traditional, you know, initiations or traditional rites of passage. And uh, I guess what I'd say to start is like I'm not looking to. Uh, copy or sort of replace that. I think that that's possible or realistic, but I'll just give an outline and you can please fill in more too, right? But a, a traditional initiation for young men tended to be the young man was uh, brought outside of normal life by male elders in a community of males at certain times in his life in order to formally basically construct an experience that brought that man into the next stage of life through very clear and necessary, and I would even say organic stages of maturation, right? So it, I think about Richard Rohr a lot. He's he's the a living figure who I've looked to probably more than anybody else who I just really admire his, his understanding and teaching of, you know, male initiation. Uh, actually, the book, Adam's Return, I've actually recently reread that. It's just that book never failed to blow my mind when I open it up. But so these initiations for young men are to uh, really bring them into their growing sense of their own individuality and masculinity. And as, as Richard would say in his book, by helping these young men meet the, the real version of themselves or the larger version of themselves, having moments of transcendence or expansion, but in the context of the male community. And, you know, for example, I was down in, in South America a long time ago, and one of the tribes that I was visiting and spending time with, uh, you know, they, they did rituals with bullet ants, right? And the young men would go and do these dancing ceremonies, wearing these gloves full of bullet ants, which brought them this immense amount of pain. And it really pushed these young men into an experience so far beyond, you know, being a, a young boy who was doted on by, you know, his tribe or his family. Uh, so yeah, that's, I guess, I think, I'm guessing everybody kind of has a sense of what traditional rites of passage are. Do you, do you think that's true? I think, I don't know, actually. I don't know. Yeah. I think for the most part, um, but I think that's, I mean, that's a really, that's a pretty vivid one, right? So mm -hmm. there's, there are 
the basic element there is extreme discomfort, right? Needing to move beyond our comforts in a way that forces us to confront our own mind and heart in a more serious way. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so, I mean, one thing I think I'll put in here and I don't maybe to complicate it, but not on purpose necessarily is that what I see walking around my life is that our young men need initiation, need, need a rites of passage, but, but most adult men do too, or many, many adult men, maybe the majority have grown to their current status and place in life uh, without any formal rite of passage and, and with that probably seriously missing elements of, of their own internal growth, right? And maybe that's not true, but it seems to be the case. And so, yeah, so for example, this, this trip that I'm running, uh, this unbreakable bond, is primarily set up to be a, an initiation for the young men, right? But with like the clear understanding that these fathers are getting a huge gift from the experience too, and possibly sort of reconnecting in ways that they haven't reconnected in a long time. And yeah, and like you said, ex- extreme discomfort, you know, backpacking. I actually think about that sometimes that, you know, in more traditional cultures, what was extreme discomfort? Yeah, getting bit by 30 bullet ants for two hours, right? But I think it might be fair to make a comparable that in our pretty cozy lives right now, you know, just climbing a mountain and coming back down, you know, might be a adequate level of discomfort, right? I don't, I think we were tougher back then, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a deep, big backpacking experience through the mountains of Yellowstone in an intact environment. And the entire time, we're just going to sort of keep stepping up and toe the line and, and uh, you know, create opportunities for these young men to young men to both meet themselves in new ways, but meet their fathers and then, you know, build the communities that, that really sustain that. So, mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. So, you know, sometimes I get asked this question, I'm curious how you might respond, but like, why do men need to go off with men, right? Like, what is it about that, that is important, that is necessary, you know, that men kind of circle up in this way? How do you answer that question? Well, the first thing that comes, why I'm kind of grinning here. I mean, the first thing that comes to me, honestly, is because it's really fun. And, and, and there's this like lightness <laughs> aspect to it, which, um, which, yes, men, not all men, but if I think about men as a collective, there, there's a lot of energy there, right? This, there's this like this thriving energy that men hold. And there's not many places in life that it's appropriate for it to open up all the way. There's, there's not many places that that level of energy is, is yeah, it's not safe. It's not helpful. It's, it's, it's more of a liability than anything. So, so on an energetic standpoint, I think men need that opportunity to just let go, like to really let mm-hmm. go. And that's a safe way to do it. On another level, just from a basic level of identity, and, and I think we could talk about this for many days straight, probably, and maybe start to frame it out accurately. But I feel that male identity in our moment right now is is so gummed up, is so is so confused, is so in flux, right? And and, I, and I'm not angry at that, but it's true. And my sense is that for for generations different for each individual, but maybe many generations that men specifically have been disconnected from the family, from the self, from the identity. I kind of see 
it's like a whole crop of lone wolves out in the world attempting to do life alone, which is not healthy. It doesn't work. It's, it's dysfunctional. And, and so I feel men need to go be with men to find themselves, to find their place, both in the cosmic order, but also the community order, and, and just have a sense of value. Well, another answer quickly, Luke, would be to be, to be taught, to be mentored, to be guided. Right. I, I think that we think we're so we think we can figure it out all on our own. And it's actually just not how it works. Like we actually need to be shown the way. And uh, last layer to add to that is that, you know, men uh, can I mean, you look at all statistics of, of harming oneself through suicide or alcohol abuse or addiction or whatever or harming other people. You know, the great majority statistically is men. So we need to go out there with each other, with a healthy frame in mind, so that we know how to channel this life and these bodies and these hormones and all these things in a way that works, in a way that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah, well said, my friend. Yeah, I think that there's so much isolation for in our culture right now, especially with men. And, you know, there, this is the kind of medicine that I think our, our time needs, which is getting back to a sense of you might even say tribal connection between men, right? A sense of celebrating masculine power that is connected to the heart and finding ways to cultivate it. You know, I, if we're talking about men circling up, holding up in the boardroom, just men, that's not great. It's, it's actually not helpful. You know, when we think about cultural power and access to power, we're in a moment that that needs to continue to be shared and opened up and cracked open, right? And so that we really do have true equity and equality, right? But when it talks, when we're talking about the experience of being a man in a male body and all that comes with that experience, I think it is vitally necessary that we find, you know, find our the men that can support us to do that better, to be a better man. Right. And so I think it's, it's, you know, it's absolutely possible to be a radical feminist and a, and a men's work enthusiast to be going into the woods as men and connected to our hearts, connected to our power, connected to our balls and using that power for good. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's more than possible. I'd say it comes with the territory for, in my world, in my experience, the radical feminism and the the devotion and the love for women and all all humans it, with any delineation that you can imagine that the a real like well done rite of passage or men's experience or or men's work, the natural result of it is an open heart and care and you know hands basically ready to go do work for the collective for for all right and i do understand why people may have that fear right so this group of men is going off alone when groups of men have gone off alone and done their own thing it's caused harm in the past that's very valid and so i think that i mean it's yeah it's probably important to be explicit about this that there is um you know you could probably have you could have rites of passage I mean, like Star Wars is coming up, right? So you could have rites of passage and we could go all get, you know, inducted into the Sith, you know, world and we could all have scary shit, you know, come along with this too. But the version of, of rites of passage and work is that, that I practice is rooted in, 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 in 
you know, basic human goodness and, and an open heart and the natural love we have for each other and our children and our families and all of the, all the things that tend to spring forth from that. You know, one other thing I thought that came up as you were sharing there about rites of passage and what happens in these places. And, you know, oftentimes they happen in nature, right? And I think traditionally, I mean, nature just was our home, right? And so it makes sense that we go back to that place to find ourselves in a deeper way. One, some of the language I've been enjoying lately is, is, you know, I think that most men today have an awareness that they have a primal brain or they have a fi- primal intelligence within them. And I think for mo- most of the time, it feels like that's at odds with or somehow incompatible or just confusing to fit that into our rational, digital, normal life. And I think a really good rite of passage uh, has an element of both waking up, but integrating, you know, the larger parts of ourselves. And for, for young men, man, what a gift to have when you're young. Like what a, what a gift to sort of go through life with, with the, the resonance of that. But like I said here, there's, there's kind of a dual thing going on when I think about this, because many men, adult men, fathers, don't, don't have much grasp of that. So it really, it really does, uh, rely on finding like good-hearted community, good-hearted elders, good-hearted young elders, well, whoever's doing this work, you know, to find to find the people doing things that are in resonance and aligned. That's right. I mean, this is, you know, this is the thing about initiation is what we can we can set up intentional experiences for men to be initiated that is connected to the heart, that is connected to the power that's held by wise elders, or men and boys will find their own, right? They will find their own experiences to prove their manhood, to prove that they belong, to find their, stake their claim in the world. And so, you know, this is why I think this is some of the most important work, because we see so much evidence of the just human drive towards initiation. And uh, so it's going to happen one way or another. We might as well make it ceremonial. We might as well have it be uh, connected to the heart about a, a mission greater than oneself, about service to the community, and held with reverence by elders. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And you know, the question that comes up to me there is, you know, initiated into what? Right? In traditionally, you get initiated both into your own journey, but more so, you're initiated into your community as a the next version as the next stage of yourself, right? And so I think that's one of the things that makes initiation tricky in our landscape today is that, you know, I can go put on this initiation and 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 I guess so when I think about this this trip that I'm running this year, it's very much like the container is yes, we're creating a community. Yes, we have like the dads can get together, let dads can lean on each other. We can, you know, have this probably digital connection. But it's not like we're a full form tribe trying to survive and thrive and you know you know praise our our deities. I mean, it's it's different, right? And so I think about it very much as that dyad or that father son pair. Like, how can we best support the initiation into that and have that be the container that that holds some of the energy and, and creates that? Because you know that's part of it, right? You said if if we don't get formal initiation, it'll it'll happen anyway. And back to Richard Rohr on this, I just read this the other day, is, you know, life can initiate you. Life will initiate you. Generally, it takes a lot longer and it kind of feels like that's the long, slow, circuitous route. And I feel like I personally received a little bit of both. 
right? Like I did have really good mentors that took me little piece by little piece. But I also think that I've, uh, you know, a common feeling that I've had during my life, somebody just fucking show this to me, right? Like, do I have to actually spend four years getting my ass kicked by life in order to understand this? So, so I think that's really right. It, I think it's super important who's initiating you, what the purpose is and, and what the, what the larger frame of intention is around it. Right. Excellent. Yeah. So, so you'd mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of times in this conversation, masculinity and Again, just to kind of level set here and pull back, I'm so curious what your point of view, like when we say masculinity, what does that mean for you? If we're initiating someone into healthy masculinity or masculine power, um, from your point of view, I mean, this is one of the more fundamental pieces, right, around rites of passage for men is we're, we're helping them move from one way of being into a new way of being, right? A passage from an immature uh, childhood view of masculinity into an adult, healthy, mature masculinity. What does that mean for you? Well, the ways that I use that term lately kind of fits into two camps, although there's subtleties in both directions. But on one end, there's the polarity slash energetic slash spiritual definition of of masculinity, which tends to be, you know, Shiva Shakti, it's the Shiva of the Shiva Shakti sort of dynamic. And, And, you know, a very fast version of what masculinity would be in that would just be, you know, quiet, ever expanding space, right. Or, or the, or the observer or like that, that quality of existence and femininity or feminine, the the feminine would be all that's dancing amongst that. That's not how I'm using it today. On the other side, I think you have just your normal, if you could take a snapshot of the cultural sort of use of the term what's masculine what's feminine which just simply happens that generally means what it seems like men do most and what it seems like women do most which we all know is very dangerous territory that's really complicated and and sort of messy territory but in this context of of running these programs i think i kind of like just hold a simple uh, a simple definition or a simple stance which is you know these are you know young humans identifying as male and there's their father figures or whoever it is is identifying as male, trying to figure out what the hell that means in general, right? And so I tend, my work tends to be, all right, we're going to do our best to not adhere to external definitions. What we're really going to do is slow way down. We're going to get really deep and help you exp- help these young men experience what is who they are and what is true for them and through their bodies and through their hearts and through their energy and and start from that place. So I start from a very descriptive place. And, you know, I think does that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being a male or being masculine. Although it does. That's it's paradoxical, right? It's it's like it's not their experience is not because they're a male and yet a big part of it is always through that filter. Right? So I think I may have given just a very confusing answer here, but but if I were to try to simplify it, it's that the experiences we're going to have on on these things are universal to humanity but we're going to come out the other end of it because of because of our bodies and our identities and and how we how we do this there still is this thing called manhood there still is this thing called boyhood and there still is this sort of journey from one to the other so it's just that man it's just that it's like we have i think we can soberly without too much complication say there's boys there's boyhood, there's man, there's manhood, and there still is a journey between. And we get we get to work with all that complicated stuff, but but really it's it's that. 
Yeah, right on, man. Yeah, I mean, when I get quiet and feel into what is the experience of masculinity in my own body-mind, right? There's a sense that uh, my kind of the center part of my body, the center column, this the channel between my balls, my guts, my heart, my mind, my connection to the cosmos, that it's open and clear and powerful, right? That there is no, there's no contraction, that I'm in my full power of, of being able to penetrate my heart into the world and that I'm available and open and, and kind of free in that, right? So when I think about my experience of masculine power, it's like, what gets in the way, what blocks that, what beliefs, what pains of the past, what stories keep me from being fully in a heart-centered, powerful place. Yeah. So that's kind of the embodied definition, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say, yeah, from a, from a yogic sort of stance a little bit, right? I guess I'm always, I'm always curious and, and, you know, part of my hope for my work is, is that, uh, I do spend a lot of time in what you might call the Netherlands, you know, hinterlands of of spiritual life. But I've always cared so deeply. I think about it like the the uncle test, right? If I went back to where my fa- where I grew up with my family in a small town in North Dakota and went to the bar and said any of this to them, like you know, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Right? And so, <laughs> so I, I I agree, and I and I like that sort of the central channel version of masculinity. And I also another way I would maybe say it would be, you know, most people can think of a man in their life who has the capacity has has developed capacity in many directions meaning that you know maybe professionally and in terms of their purpose and what they want to do with their life they're they've, they've moved themselves in that direction and they have you know maybe a healthy relationship or or maybe they've you know have a soft heart they can feel their uh they're humble all all of these different capacities we can develop but you know a lot of my work has started to focus around fatherhood because i think in fatherhood you can start to get a real snapshot, like a, a pretty clear snapshot of what's possible possible for men, and also can really like help isolate what does it take to to grow into this fuller whole, you know, sort of being that that uh, that carries a male body with him. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So well said. I mean, I would add one other, which is when I think about it, I think about you know, if we go to the like. I grew up in the Midwest as well, right? So I think about my community that I grew up in, that some of these concepts may be a bit foreign, but there are good men that are good leaders that that make decisions not based on their selfish interests, but on the what's best for the community, what's best. And, and they, they create opportunities for connection in the community, for health, for safety, security, protection. Right. We all know these type of men that maybe would be allergic to something like meditation, like you and I, but have found, but, but are really good men and, and kind of embody that essence of being committed to a cause greater than ourselves and being willing to make it happen, be a stand for it, protect it, defend it. You know, all these virtuous aspects of what we think about when we think of healthy well, masculinity. Well, exactly. Right. And that's, that's so important because. Because from that lens, we can all 
from a subjective place, from a descriptive place, we can we can think through our life and think of like, oh, that guy, right? Because even I hadn't even thought about it before this conversation, but Lynn Hansen, one of my best friend's fathers who passed when I was in my early 20s, you know, he was a deeply flawed dude, but he was a veteran, but he just fucking stood up for us and he stood up for the community and he just shown this heart. Like, again, that's more yogic language, but he was just, a, he was a spitfire and he loved people. Right? You just feel that, right? That, that, I would say, whatever the fuck that is, that's at least in the vicinity of healthy masculinity in my book. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's just thinking about the world and how disconnected we are. It's like how much this is why the world needs healthy masculinity right now. People like you just described, right? And I think about some of my uncles and some of the people in the community I grew up in, some of the men that they, they brought people together around a cause. They created things. They, you know, and, you know, this is, this is the medicine that we need right now. This is why, you know, we, we can't be allergic to masculinity right now. It's, it's this force that will actually heal if we allow it. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my heart's kind of like leaping is just as you enter that territory. I think that, that there's a call to action right now, globally, societally, that that I think it's necessary, like on a dire level, right? I think, I don't mean this in any dramatic, I'm not talking about playing hero ball here. I'm, I'm talking about that the amount of men who are tripping over themselves, spending their entire life fighting their own demons, you know, lost without anywhere to go. And it's not their fault. It's not because of a... Of a isn't a fault, but we don't even have any systems around us anymore. It used to be church. Most people don't go to church. It used to be the work, but fuck, now we work at home and we don't even have that. We don't have the, we don't trust our state. There's literally nothing bringing people together. So I think the call to action to, to men right now to become that force, sort of wake up. And again, it doesn't have to be save the world, but you know, show up for your children, show up for your community around you. And that's actually what is most exciting to me if I were to envision, you know, what if there was a, an initiation for, for men collectively, right? We could step through to this thing. It's, it's to me, the vision isn't something fancy. It's, it's that. It's like, how, how can we, and it just breaks my heart because not only it's the giving back part, but these men are also just, just fucking not okay. You know, there's so much just not okayness. And we have, it's never the flow of life is not stopping, right? So we have this we have this ever growing crop of young ones to tend and to care for and to guide, and you know, I mean the the task is way too big to have it work all the way. But yeah, I feel deeply called to shake men and get them. We don't have to get it all the way. We just got to get like on track a little bit, and then keep keep that keep the wheels moving a little bit. Yes, brother. Yes, brother. This is where uh, you and I we have we have this very similar mission. So, brothers in 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 arms here. So, you one of the experiences you offer is taking men into the wilderness and doing this type of of men's reflection work, men's men's work. You're combining it uh, with hunting, and this just fascinates me. I grew up hunting. I love hunting. Still part of my life today. And, um, it's always been, it's, it's evolved for me from kind of a, a hobby and activity around strategy and around kind of the crafts, 
the gamesmanship of it, the entertainment into something a little more personal, a little more spiritual around a connection to that, which I'm the life that I'm taking and receiving that sustenance. And so I'm just curious for you, you know, like, tell us a little bit about this experience, but also just the kind of primal yeah. connection of being a hunter, being, you know, being a, yeah. Yeah. So I grew up hunting uh, and loved it and was fairly passionate about it, but kind of let go of it in my wandering twenties. And then uh, randomly, what felt like was randomly, I fell into a job and I became at first just a PA for a show called The Wild Within, a TV show, and went out on these hunts and, you know, made shows. And, and then that quickly parlayed into uh, being an associate producer, but then the producer and director and executive producer of a show called Meat Eater, which is huge sort of cult hit, big force out in the world. It's on, it's a show on Netflix. I, I think I, um, I produced probably 60, first 60 or 65 episodes of that show. And so I got to fly all over the world in this little modern day hunting party and, you know, get dropped off in the mountains and the Arctic and just every, any just adventure like you can't imagine. And was part of the creative process of writing a new story about hunting or, or refreshing a story about hunting in terms of food acquisition and connection to the land and connection to what we eat. And it was a really beautiful process. And while, uh, while it was going on, I, I almost, I worked on selling a kind of a shoot off show or, a, you know, like a shooter show that was taking people on their first hunts, right? That was, that was something that was of, of interest to me. And, and it was going to be called Rite of Passage. That was my title for it. It didn't quite go. Uh, but what I'm doing now is a, is a program called Rite of Passage, which is a deep, deep dive. It's both a deep education. So it teaches men the basic skills from start to finish of, of how to become a big game hunter, a you know deer hunter, hog hunter, and you know we do a bunch of meetings online to, to learn the stuff, and then we do a hunt in Texas, and it's mentored by myself and a few very close colleagues, and it's just absolutely wildly, incredibly fun and powerful, and powerful. You know, doing like the deeper work, the spiritual work. Like I love all of it, but I I particularly love when it has the capacity to to make sense in your life in a very practical and straightforward way. And so, you know, this experience of, you know, connecting with a small group of men has very much to do with reckoning with the fact that life is not fucking pretty all, you know, and that where resources come from includes destruction and blood and dare I say violence. Hunting is a very violent act. There's not many places left in the world, I think for good reason, <laughs> where violence is even allowed, right? And so this, this act of taking a life and feeling that life dissipate, but then become part of your own life stream is as impactful as, you know, anything that, that I can imagine happening in a lifetime, you know, that, that and birth. And I mean, obviously there's a lot of things, but in what you would call the traditional masculine spectrum, you know, war would be another one. And just slightly, I guess I would imagine just underneath that would be this act of, of, of killing an animal for food. And it's, um, it's just so deeply rich of, of, a of a practice. And, you know, I, it's so funny. I, I married a woman who was a vegan for a lot, a long time before I met her. And she had, she had moved to a farm and started eating meat. But, you know, I wooed her in New York City 
And I, I was doing that show and I had a big chest freezer in my little tiny apartment, took up half my kitchen. <laughs> and, you know, I fed her bison and moose from Alaska. I think I had some like goat testicles. I mean, just like fed her all this shit. And the, I guess what I would just report back from that is that the, the act of hunting your own meat fits to me in a category with growing my own vegetables in the garden or tending, tending the chickens and, and gathering our, our eggs or, you know, being able to cut down a tree and split it and burn it sort of, you know, heat our home in the winter. And there's something so simple and old and primal and human about it. Um, as well as the, as the, you know, profundity and the transformative capacity. It's, it's just, it's like a really rich, rich experience. Indeed. It's a little different than going to the well-lit grocery store <laughs> and grabbing the piece of meat that's sealed in layers of plastic and so tidy and sanitized. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, much, yeah. much different experience. Yeah. I mean, for me, the journey of kind of hunting is, you're right. It is, there's like a violence to it. There's, there's a uh, decisions are made quickly. You have to be on your toes. There's like a, but there's also this moment of recognition of taking the life and what that means. And then the preparing, it doesn't, it doesn't come in plastic, <laughs> the preparing of the, you know, of cleaning and all the messiness that goes with that and reaching your hand inside of a carcass to your shoulder is, you know, quite a intense experience, right? I mean, it's humbling, right? In such a unique way. Right. Yeah. I mean, we share the same organs, right? We, it's inevitable we'll see ourselves in the process of hunting where we, you know, you see a heart that's about the size of your heart taking it out of an animal or a, a liver. And it's very humbling in knowing that that will be us soon, you know? And at the same time, it's how we, you know, how we sustain. So I, you know, for me, it's always about lots of prayers for the animal, connecting to the animal, getting right with its spirit before I ever take it, meaning like same prayers before I ever step into the forest. And uh, yeah, so there's a way to do it that I think can be quite honoring. Yeah. And just the last thing I'd say about it is that the, you know, the men that have gone through the program so far, it's been a really really cool we, you know we always do follow-up calls you know six weeks or three months or six months out just to sort of check in with everybody and uh what people have sort of been reporting from it is a is a hard to place a finger on so kind of an intangible quality of um, a quiet but deep self-assurance and self-trust so something about going through that experience is showing up for these men in in kind of like a pervasive sense right just just this there's just like a note let's just say that like there's a note in the song of their life that wasn't there before and they can't really put their finger up but they can hear it pretty clearly and consistently that and then the other, the other thing i think at a pra practical and which i'm proud of and really excited for is uh most of the men are excited to continue their you know their life as a hunter and are, are going off to to now be able to do it on their own which is rad yeah yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's also this thing that hunting, at least the type of hunting I do, you know, you can some, you know, I went deer hunting last fall with my father and, and my brother. And, you know, there's two days of just sitting, sitting and sitting 
and sitting in the woods and all variety of animals and creatures will come to you and you're just sitting. You're doing nothing but sitting and you don't want to move too much because then the whole reason you're there might not, you know, it might not happen. So it's a lot of stillness in the woods, which, oh my God, for our tech addicted culture, for me, that was just a beautiful detox, right? To just spend several days sitting in the woods under a tree. It's glorious. It's my definition yeah. of heaven. <laughs> I mean, listen, some of the technical sort of benefits of, of real good meditation are deeply, I don't know if I'll actually do this, but I've outlined an online course that would be meditation for hunters because it really, I tell you what, man, if you are sitting in a tree stand all day, like the basic instructions for good sitting meditation go a long way. And the ability to be embodied in the woods, to sit there and feel and experience through through your through your system fully. I mean, yeah, it's just a deeply, deeply, deeply power. I don't know. That's a yeah. throwaway word. But you know, but it's wild to sit out there and actually be awake, you know, to be a part of things. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the the like the breath practice, right? Of the moment when the target presents itself, you have to move quickly and slowly and you need to have a wide vision, right? You need to take in the whole scene. You need to be, stay chill, calm, not spook the animal while hitting a target, you know, and that's, there's a lot happening in a very quick amount of time. So again, just being able to chill, ground, breathe, it's all, it's all part of it. Yeah. It, well, yeah, exactly. Right. And so that ability to sort of have wide foveal, is it foveal, whatever the, the big wide vision, right. And pay attention to little, you know, little bits of, of noise or anything. And then right when at time it's like a leap to action, right. So it, there's just such, there's just such innate built in like good training. There is like, can we fucking chill and be here in our life and pay attention? And, and when it's go time, can we go right? Can we, and it's, Man, that's that's the stuff I teach to dads. We work on teaching with dads all the time, right? But this is just a very, very practical and specific sort of living of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well said. So, you know, I've noticed, and maybe you've seen this as well, for, for guys like you and I that grew up, hunting was just what you did. It was always around. It was just a natural part of life. And thankfully, my father was, you know, took the time with me at a young age to bring me into that it has been a huge gift to me. Even during, I also had these periods of years where I was not, I didn't hunt or fish, but um, it's, it's a gift. I see this really interesting kind of trend now of, you know, 30 something year old men, maybe even 40 something year old men that are, that maybe didn't grow up hunting, mm -hmm. but have this real desire and drive and curiosity about it. And there's this like growing wave. Maybe it was always there, maybe not, but just this kind of, the primal movement, the kind of back to the roots movement, the carnivore movement. There's a lot of uh, younger men that are wanting to have these experiences. Are you, are you noticing this as well? Oh, I mean, totally, man. Yeah. So as part of the mediator crew, I took Joe Rogan out on his first deer hunt and went on a, a bunch of hunts with him. And, you know, he's just one of the voices, but he's probably the biggest in, in a sense. But, you know, he took into hunting in a big way. And, and, uh, you know, yes. So culturally, I think in the past, I'd say 10 years, there's been a, a real uptick. And I do think the mediator and, and other similar sort of entities had a lot to do with that. And, you know, this program that I'm doing now is it's really intended with two, two main intentions is one, there's a lot of men wanting that experience, but the barrier to entry and hunting is big, 
right? So if you've never done it, you don't have anybody take you. I mean, first of all, just carrying a loaded weapon or shooting a weapon is something that freaks most men out. Which it's good to have caution around that. Oh, I think there's, that's, that's a wise reticence. Yeah, but knowing where to hunt and license it, it's just, it's a big complicated beast if you do, if you're not ingrained with it. So, so yeah, this part of this intention with this program is like, you know, for those who are really wanting it, then this is, this is an actual guided way to get into it. And with the benefit of, uh, or the intended benefit of, of the depth practice with it. Right. And, and, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's been, you know, we last year was our first round. We got another one. Actually, tonight is my actually the first welcome call for the next group, and and uh, yeah, we're finding more properties we can hunt, and, and mm. uh, yeah, it's fun. It's really all fun. right. My friend Dan is training the next generation of heart centered warriors. Dan Doty, good work, my friend. If people want to find out more about this program or any of your other work, where might you point them? Yeah, dandoty.com first, and then uh, Instagram also is underscore dandoty underscore. Amazing. So thank you so much for your time, Dan. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crazy Wisdom. If you like what you heard, please do rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen. This helps new people find the show. And maybe more importantly, it helps us grow our Crazy Wisdom community. My hope for you is between now and the next time you listen, that you try one new thing, one thing that would help you live a life of deeper purpose, deeper meaning, a life of greater love. And maybe that one thing is a little different, a little odd, a little intense, perhaps even a little crazy. 